light candles. And every year I make the same announcement. The candles, when they're lit, keep the candles straight up. A lit candle always says straight up. Never tilt a lit candle to light because the wax will just drop all over the place and we don't want anybody's lap to get burnt today. So if your candle is lit, it's always straight up and down. Take the unlit candle, light it from the lit candle. That'll be at the very end when we sing Silent Night. But we're so excited for your attendance and our ability just to come and and point to Jesus. I hope you notice on the stage we put Jesus. The manger scene gets crowded. In the manger scene there's sheep and and there's cattle and there's shepherds and there's Mary and there's Joseph and there's wise men and all of a sudden they've got this cacophony of things happening and baby Jesus can get lost. And tonight we're going to talk about finding Jesus. So he's going to be front and center our whole night. You're going to have some readers come up and read for you and then we've got the Bible reading that'll be happening and then we've got singing throughout. So you can stand when we sing our songs or you can remain seated, whatever you're comfortable with. Thank you for being here. Let me pray us in. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the silliness of the pastors that we can laugh and just have fun. And we're thankful for the children that come and they ring the bells for us. And God, we're just thankful more than anything that we can celebrate Jesus. Finding Jesus this Christmas. Help it to be clear. Help it to be obvious. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This Christmas might feel strangely different. But it's still a timeless truth for everyone across the world, whether far away or close to home. There'll be new memories to make and old memories to tell. Laughter to share with family, friends or neighbours. Little ones, big ones, even furry ones. There'll be presents we give and blessings we share. Generous tables, crackers to pull, and empty places for those not with us. Some who are gone forever, and some who are just not able to travel. We'll have eyes filled with tears, and hearts with love. Whether there'll be arms around us, or chats around screens, giggles on phones. still have trees to set up and cards to write. Calendars to open and carols to sing. Candles to light, prayers to say, and the greatest story of all, with light from the stable and the Christ child promising. 
comfort and joy for everyone this special Christmas time. In the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. started a tradition years ago of buying us decorations made by a sculptor, a local sculptor, who creates scenes of the nativity out of clay. Whenever I look at our Christmas tree, it's like I'm looking at every part of the Christmas story and the history of our family get-togethers all at the same time. I was staring at the Christmas tree the other night, squinting at it up from the floor, 
and a question came to me. Have I taken the shape that you want me to take? These words fell into my exhausted mind from where I lay on the floor after a long day. You see, I used to say a prayer quite often when I was younger, as the direction of my life wasn't quite so clear, when there were more years ahead than there were behind. I was in the habit of praying, God, you are the potter and I am the clay. Please shape me. This was when I had yet to choose my path, the university I study at, the career I'd pursue, my spouse. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to turn into a Scrooge bemoaning my Christmas past. But when I'm looking at all these clay ornaments, it triggered this memory of when I was unformed, ready to be made into something, yet to be tested and strengthened through fire. That prayer over the years became more of a declaration. I will take the shape my father will make me, for he is the potter and I am the clay. I believe it still with all my heart. But this lump, and let's be honest, lumpy, <laughs> clay has been shaped. I live, act, and walk a certain way, and I have for years. That hopeful, prayerful statement I declared when I was young, well, it, it was before this strange time we're all living in, before our world ground to a halt and the virus hit, before they sort of just shut and canceled everything in a way that's still impacting me and so many people I know. Like my daughter, who cried over the phone when she called to tell us that she won't be sending the little clay decoration this year because the sculptor couldn't reopen after quarantine. And last year's little clay shepherd boy is the final one. That prayer of faith I prayed all those years ago, is, is that canceled too? I prayed it before this cynical time, when politics and conversations weren't so angry and so toxic where you can have a civil chat with relatives from the other side of the country who vote for the other party at Thanksgiving. Remember that? <laughs> it seems that when I prayed that old prayer, it was a much simpler and hopeful time. So there I am laying on the floor. The trees decked out and twinkling, but it just didn't look the same. The feelings, the expectations I normally have at Christmas, they weren't there. Then I started looking around the living room and all the things in it, stuff gathered up over a lifetime, furniture, bookshelves, trinkets, souvenirs, picture frames, coffee mugs, plant holders, all these practical and decorative things. I had to chuckle. God, you've shaped me, so now use me. Sometimes at Christmas, I just want to think about the baby in the manger. Some years I'm part of the, the worship team or, or in the big church play. This year I feel a bit more tired than usual, and I'm not all that certain if we should even put up the tree. But whether I'm standing with my arms raised in worship or laying on the living room floor, I know that the God I serve is the God who both shapes me and uses me. He is the God who cleans and polishes me. He repairs and restores me. He is the potter, and I am the clay, and he holds me in his hand. I don't know if we'll have a big dinner with turkey and all the trimmings or order pizza and eat on the couch this year. But I do know that my God is the God who can fill this empty vessel with grace. A grace that isn't based on feelings or on my circumstances, but on the very nature of who he is. A gracious God who gave his only son to the world to save it from despair. And so this year I choose to light a candle at Advent to declare that God has filled the world and my life with grace. This Christmas, we ask you, God, to shape us into the shape you want us to take. Use us in a way you want to, God, and fill us with your grace. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, 
This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. teach you about the importance of a 401k. I've had so much time to kill at home lately. Ever since my job got furloughed, I've been searching every jobs board I can find and for any tip I can get on how to make money and how to save it. Well, I went down one of those rabbit trails on Google, you know what I'm talking about, where I searched how to pay off mountains of debt. And after watching more than 30 minutes of YouTube videos, <laughs> I ended up signing up for the seminar. Um, they were talking about compound interest and how you can build wealth over time just by squirreling a little bit of money away every month. Apparently, the Italians sought it up in the 17th century, and then Wall Street perfected it in our own times. And everyone should take advantage of it. I like the thought. Say you deposit $200 into a month at a certain percent, uh, that money collects interest, and then the interest collects on the interest. Don't worry. I'm not here to sell you a mutual fund. I mean, I don't even have one myself. I have four years of student loans to pay off and my car payment, so I'm definitely no financial whiz. But the concept is appealing. So say you deposit $200 into the mutual fund at a decent rate of return, and you do that every month for 30 years, voila, you're a millionaire. Awesome idea, right? I mean, guess how I felt, though, after the sales pitch. Here I am without a job, with a big pile of debt, and wishing that before I'd leased a car, someone had taught me about money in high school and had told me to put the car payment into a mutual fund instead. As you can imagine, I started to feel a bit discouraged. 
There's nothing like having a lot of time on your hands, searching in on your smartphone and aimlessly searching the internet. I've never really done this before, but I was feeling down. So I decided to type four letters into the search bar. Can you guess what they were? H-O-P-E. Where can I find hope? It's kind of embarrassing because I know where. I didn't find hope in my Google search, I can tell you that. But as I walked to the verge of self-condemnation and regret, wishing I had a job, that I'd been smarter with my money, I stopped my little pity party and walked out the door for some fresh air. I found myself at the mailbox. To my surprise, the Christmas card from my grandma had arrived, just like every other year, a sweet little note with $10 in it. And the front of the card said, Hope of the World. When I turned it over, on the inside was a drawing of Mary holding the little baby Jesus and that verse from Luke. But Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. As I stood there in the snow, without a jacket on, holding the card and the envelope in one hand with the $10 bill in the other, I looked up in the sky and I just had to laugh. Snow was falling all around me in those fat flakes that are as big as dove feathers, and I suddenly felt like the richest person in the world. Right then and there, I repented and asked God to forgive me for getting so discouraged about my circumstances when his son and his spirit live right inside of me. What a treasure there is here in this little heart of mine. Mary treasured up all the things that God was doing in her circumstances, in her heart. This miracle of a story that God sent his only son into the world, born of a woman, born as a baby, to live a perfect life and set us free from sin and despair. Wow. The miracle of a story has been treasured in hearts like Mary's ever since the day Jesus was born, and since Luke wrote down his gospel, and the words were passed along through the centuries. Just think of the compound interest that accumulated in the hearts of believers. Oh, the riches of the glory of God in all of us, in this world. As I stood in the snow, and believe me, I was really starting to get cold, I had this desire to store it up, to let the truth of God multiply and grow, so that my whole heart became a reservoir of hope. Let it compound and accumulate. Friends, I have to tell you, I felt something else so deeply. Like my grandma, who by the world standards has very little but gives so much. So that her $10 gift each year feels to me like 10000 We must not hoard all this hope to ourselves. Spend it. Give it away. The world needs it. If you and I, believers in God, get discouraged in these days, how much more do those who don't yet know him need hope? Go tell it on the mountains. Shout it from the rooftop. Ponder the wonder of God's truth, and as the wealth and riches build up inside of you, give the hope away. Today I choose to light the candles of Advent because Christ has made me rich, and the news of his birth is so good that I must proclaim it. Today I share the riches of hope. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. In the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It came upon the midnight clear That glorious song of old 
about a song called Comfort and Joy, and I listened to it, and I thought, oh, this is going to be perfect for what we're doing at the Christmas Eve service. And I heard Emily's voice when I heard the song. I thought she would be great. She complied, and she's going to sing for us this song, Comfort and Joy. This is the time that we're going to offer you an opportunity to honor somebody you may have lost. We understand that the holidays can be difficult. Our church has been doing grief share now for a couple of years, and we understand that the holidays can be especially hard when we're missing somebody. If you've lost somebody and you want to honor them, we're going to have this moment called uh, the wreath of honor. And when Emily's singing this song, if you'd make your way up to the front, there's a wreath on each side, and there's a basket on each side. And in the basket, there are simple ornaments and to honor somebody that maybe that you want to remember this year, if you would just take one of the ornaments, place it on the wreath uh, during the song, that'd be great. Everybody saying Merry December your world is unraveling and you don't feel like singing along Friends are sending cards with warmest wishes But you're feeling lonely like a winter wind So take your heart right to the center of the season there you see the gift that came to us in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ, he is heaven's love. Here at last, forever God with us. All our hope found in the baby boy. He knew we needed comfort and joy.
How do you keep a fire burning? You feed it with fuel to burn. During Advent, we light candles to symbolize that Jesus is the light of the world. Today, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, let our hearts be aflame with love for Christ, and let that flame burn brightly through giving thanks. Many of us face challenges in different areas of our lives, our families, our health, our relationships at work and at home. No matter what we face, we thank you, God, for healing us, for strengthening us, and for encouraging us. Thank you that you are always with us and that you always lead and guide us by your spirit and through your word. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you that you, Jesus, have made a living way to be right with the Father through your advent and your birth, through your life and your death, through your resurrection. Thank you that we have access to your word written down through the centuries, which is always available to us to guide and instruct us in the way that we should go. Today, we rest in you, God, and we activate our faith. We believe in you. We trust you. We long for your presence and to walk in your ways. Thank you that you go before us, that you lead and you guide us. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for your empowering grace and your constant provision. Thank you that you make all things new, God, that your word never returns to you void, and that it does a new thing in us, around us, in our hearts, in our lives. Thank you that we are taking the shape you want us to take because you are the potter and we are the clay. Mm -hmm. We thank you that you can do anything and that nothing is impossible for you. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your commitment to us, for your undeniable, immeasurable, and indescribable track record of faithfulness and generosity towards us, of breakthrough and grace. We're so blessed to belong to you. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for not giving up on us, for calling us into your kingdom of light, truth, and hope. Thank you for changing us and renewing us day by day. Thank you for every answered prayer in our lives, too many to count. Thank you that we live in the realm of answered prayer. Our homes, our church, our families, and success are built upon answered prayers. Thank you for protecting us and for directing us. Thank you for nurturing us and that your deep calls to our deep. Thank you for searching our hearts and convicting us of sin. Thank you for cleansing us and correcting us, for counseling us and consoling us. Thank you that you are who who you say that you are and that you do what you say you will do. Thank you for letting us approach you and for receiving us. We love you, God. We truly love you. Everything that we have is because of you. All our hope is in you. Jesus, we stop in the busyness and complexity of our lives, no matter what situation we are in, no matter what we face or fear, we stop, and in this moment, we acknowledge that because of your life, we live. Because you came to earth, we can be accepted and made whole by the Father. Today, our hearts burn with love for you, and so we light a candle of Advent as a symbol of this love that you have given to us, that burns in us. We are fueled by your love, and we fuel our hearts with thanks for all that you've done. Today we find our passion and love for you all over again, God, as we thank you and fix our attention on who you are. In the book of John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. In the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Spirit, 
The desert is where we're at, where we've come from, what we're walking through. It's been a tough year, a dry one. I've felt depleted, and to be quite honest, more depleted than I'd like to admit, and possibly more than any other time in my life. I've been, we've been through a desert, haven't we? There was more loneliness, uncertainty, more confusion and anger, and more fear than some of us have ever faced this year. And it all hit us at once. Some of us were prepared, so to speak, with sunscreen and a week's worth of supplies, but some of us didn't even bring a hat. And I know, I know, I know, it feels weird to be thinking about deserts as our minds are turning toward all things Christmas. Snow, ice, eggnog, cold. It's weird to be talking about a desert, but you know what feels even stranger? To be preparing for the Christmas season. For many of us, it'll be strange, lonely, dry. I mean, can you even smell gravy over Zoom? It's exactly the moment when you need your family most. And for so many, we may not be able to even give a hug to our loved ones, kiss a, kiss a sweet new baby, or sing carols out of tune at the top of our lungs together. Open gifts, laugh. Wrapping gifts last night, I was just going through the same motions, pulling out the same decorations, planning the same traditions as every other year, but with none of the feeling. It hasn't been joyful. It's been dry, like my burnt lips in the dream, like the scorched and sandy ground I was standing on. And yet the still, small voice whispers, drink deeply. Where and from what? His spirit, my friends, God's sweet and refreshing spirit. If I've learned anything through this difficult season, it's that you can never have enough. Enough toilet paper hidden in the linen closet, enough canned goods on the pantry shelf, and there aren't enough batteries in the world to get you out of the darkness. My own strength, my own faith, my own habits and traditions no matter how good they are, are simply not enough. And even though I may be in a dry or weary land, there is a river that never runs dry. I had to be reminded, perhaps even warned in a dream, that from this river, I can never get enough. I must run to it, go back to his spirit, and drink deeply, and do it all over again. Today, I'm lighting the candle as a reminder that even in a desert, God refreshes me. Even in his darkness, or even in the darkness, his light shines. No matter what we feel, by his great mercy, we can find the joy of God again. So let us go to him, drink deeply, and know true joy. In the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Heaven 
is a phone. You may have seen one before. It's your calendar and your calculator, your window into a thousand worlds, a camera and a notebook, a map and a search engine, a personal assistant, and well, let's be honest, a companion that you touch and interact with more than any other individual in your life. It counts your steps and how many calories you've burned. It beeps to remind you to take your pills and to notify you when the package you ordered arrives at your door. It times how long you boil your eggs in the morning and serves as your alarm clock to wake you up and drag your too tired body out of bed. You cast your morning workout video from it or listen to the morning podcast. It's in your hand and ear and in front of your eyes before your first coffee. And you've looked at it more than a dozen times before you even crack open those hard-boiled eggs and sprinkle them with pepper and salt or ketchup or hot sauce. Where you go, it goes. You might text at traffic lights, tweet from the bathroom, comment between bites of your meal, power walk while you loudly talk on speakerphone or with earbuds, earbuds, microphone pasted to your sweaty cheek. It's got all the apps you'll ever need to deliver your dinner, your groceries, hail a ride, close the garage door, set up a blind date, look up a word, book a hotel, leave a review, read a book, binge watch almost anything, subscribe and save. And we haven't even mentioned Instagram or Facebook, where you can scroll and scroll for days, where you can let yourself get lost in a labyrinth of funny memes, hilarious gifts, and laugh at stupid comments from friends you haven't even seen since high school. Let your jaw drop at sensational news stories that, for some reason, even though you know better, you click and click and click and click again until your blood pressure is high and your blood sugar is low. Before you know it, it's almost lunchtime, and you shake out of your scroll-induced days only to remember that this whole time you meant to open your Bible app to read the scripture of the day. But your mother has texted you twice now, and she started to use emoticons and... Well, this is my phone. It goes everywhere with me. I go everywhere with it. I stand with it in lines at the bank or while I wait for the nurse to call my name. I consult it while watching movies and eating dinner with my family and friends. While I walk the dog, when I'm in meetings at work, it's my connection to the world. And yet it disconnects me from the world, from myself, and from God. Not always. But if I'm honest, a lot. It does most things for me, but doesn't give me peace. This is a phone, and you're allowed to turn it off. Put it down. Leave it on its own. There's a difference when we stop, when we unplug, when we turn off our pixels and turn to the real light. Let's take a moment together. Let's close our eyes. Taking a deep breath. Exhale. When was the last time you felt true, deep, quiet peace? God keeps in perfect peace anyone and everyone who fixes their mind on him. This Christmas, let us turn our hearts and attention to Jesus, who came as the light into the world so that we may truly know peace. Tune out the world a little more. Put down the phone. Tune in to God. We light the candle of Advent today as a way to announce that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. 
in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and is expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom he for favor rests. In the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. came to lead us in our carols. Aren't you glad that he is here with us tonight? Just want to quickly kind of sum up everything we're talking about today with all the readings 
we're searching, we're finding grace, and we're trying to find hope, and we're trying to find love and joy, and we're all searching for peace. But I want to bring it back to Jesus. Have you found Jesus? If you found Jesus, you have all these things given to you. Grace and hope, joy and love and peace. So really, as we get into this Christmas season, the question is, have you found Jesus? Matthew one twenty one. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That announcement was given to Joseph. Told them very clearly, name him Jesus. In Luke one thirty one, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. That was the announcement given to Mary. Both Mary and Joseph were told, you're going to have a child, name him Jesus. So what's in a name? <laughs> in the Old Testament, a lot of people had this name. It was in the Hebrew, and it was called Hashua. Hashua. You might recognize that a little bit more in our English as Joshua. We named our son Joshua. That's the name Jesus. If you were to try to understand the name Jesus, you were to take the first two, Hashua, Hashua, Hasus. The Yah stands for God, Yahweh. Shua is save, to save something. Jesus, the name, means Yahweh saves. It means God's salvation. The name Jesus, as the angels told Mary and Joseph, name him Jesus. Literally, he was saying, Make sure you name him God's salvation. Have you found that, Jesus? Maybe you're not good at finding things. I'm a husband, and apparently husbands can't find things. I get sent to the pantry all the time. My wife will say, go grab the crushed red peppers. And I'll open the door, and I'll walk in the pantry, and I'll look for at least two or three minutes. I'm reading all of the the spices, and and I'm looking through everything. And I know that the red peppers are usually right there. I can see it right now, but they're not there. And after two minutes, I walk out in shame, and I say, I can't find it. And my wife says, really? And she does that thing where she walks to the door, she opens it, and doesn't even look in there. She just kind of grabs it. Right here they are. Oh, Oh! Finding things. The other day, I had the manger, I had the hay, and I thought, where's baby Jesus? (laughs) I couldn't find baby Jesus. That's kind of sad for the church. And I realized, maybe he's in classroom three. We have a closet with props in there. And and I walked into classroom three. All the extra chairs that are missing that we took out for coronavirus, they're in classroom three in front of the closet doors. 130 chairs. I had to pull them all back, open the door, and there he was. I found him. Baby Jesus. Have you found the real Jesus? There's a story in it, not necessarily a Christmas story, but John 1, 43-46. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, he was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael. And he told him, we have found the one. Let me say it again. This is what he told Nathaniel. We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus. He actually was saying, God's salvation, the son of Joseph, Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. I find it interesting that Philip 
had found him. And when he found him, he knew he was the one. God's salvation. Jesus. And he told Nathaniel, and he said, it's, it's, it's Jesus from Nazareth. And then his answer is, what? You can't find anything good in Nazareth. Nathaniel didn't find him. He, he wasn't looking to see who he really was. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Have you found the real Jesus, God's salvation? Have you found that this year? There's a lot of people seeking, different kinds of seekers. There's critics. Critics are people who might have believed there's a God, but something happened along the way, pain, hurt, and bad experience at a church, and so they wigged out, and they're gone. That's the, the critics. The cynics, they've tried it, and it didn't work. They had hope, but they lost it, and they quit. Then there's the skeptics. The skeptics don't believe at all. They have a problem with that thing called faith, just trust. Romantics, they're looking for truth with an idealistic mindset, looking for utopia in the church. And when hurt comes, they become cynics. Somebody once said that cynics are simply crushed romantics. (laughs) Then there's honest seekers, diligent, humble, and they understand they have a need. Do you recognize what Christmas is? Christmas is God's salvation. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. God's salvation. He sent Jesus as the answer for what we're looking for. We have a sin problem. We're born with it. Everybody is. And God said, I'm going to send Jesus. He's my salvation for them. And the angels couldn't contain themselves. They sang glory. Glory to God in the highest. Have you found Jesus? Is he your salvation? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, do it today. Don't wait. If you're watching from home, you can just say a simple prayer there. If you're here and haven't accepted him, you can say a simple prayer here. It's as simple as saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as my Savior and Lord. I did that when I was a young man. And God saved me. (laughs) This Christmas, I hope you're finding Jesus. Because when you find Jesus, you'll find hope. You'll find grace and love joy and peace that's my prayer for all of you i'm going to ask pastor shane and pastor ben to come and we're going to light some candles we're going to send them throughout the worship center lighting your candles take your time and do that please help other people so once ben and shane light some candles you can help other people by lighting their candles and remember the lit candle always stays upright While they begin to light some candles, let me pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. It's your salvation. God, I pray that everyone hearing this have found Jesus. They know that their hope is in you. God, help us not to go another day without knowing your salvation. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
holy night the stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and ever pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoicing yonder breaks a new
still please there's a lot of wax still there don't want you to get burned thank you for attending and being with us today hope you had a great time and enjoy the rest of your christmas eve and christmas on your way out there'll be some trash receptacles you can throw those candles away we're not saving them god bless you merry christmas